This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Holtz into the Vancouver zone. Left point, Brendan Smith. Down the boards for Chris Tierney. Rick White, right circle. Colin Miller scores! Holland, left wing. Watched by Hirona. Goes Rick White, Brendan Smith. Right point, he scores! A one-timer for the right point. Brendan Smith beats Demko, and the Devils make it a one-goal game with 7.06 left in the third. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. JT Miller centers for Dakota Joshua, skates to center, drops to Miller. Back to Joshua, right wing across the Devils line with the empty net. He shoots and scores! Dakota Joshua ices it for the Canucks. It's 6-4 Vancouver with 1-11 left in the hockey game. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks 6, Devils 4, breaking the curse in New Jersey. First win in nine games. What a performance from the Vancouver Canucks. A scoreline not really indicative of how much better the Canucks were than their opponent. However... The Devils made it interesting, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number five Orange, Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. We are going to bring in Dan Riccio into the conversation in just a moment, calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor tonight. Keep getting your thoughts in through our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Obviously, um... The Devils got back into this game. You can talk about a couple of maybe slight breakdowns. Maybe not Thatcher Demko's cleanest game. I have a hard time looking at how the Devils came back, though, and taking too much away from Vancouver. Because they, when they had the chance to salt it away, they did again. Great play by J.T. Miller and Dakota Joshua late in the game when the goalie pulled for the Devils to get the puck back and put the game away with two-goal lead in the last minute of the game. But... Overall, in terms of a team effort performance, this was one of their better 60-minute performances so far this season. I'm just excited for what term uh, Rick Tockett is going to have because we hear, you know, wall guys, inside guys, yeah. protect the guts. What do, what do they call the right point? Yeah, defend. Right? The, 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 somebody need to defend the right point? Right. Yeah. The, 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 they collapse too far and away from the right point. I'm curious what term if Rick Tockett has one. But, yeah, look, they – they were significantly the better team, right? And we talked about it after the first intermission. At what point do the Devils start, you know, getting their legs going? Yeah. And they're a little bit better in the second period, and they get those two goals. But then they really started to go in the third period. And Canucks had done enough by that stage to hold them off with the five goals uh, to their favor. Dakota Joshua getting the six late with the empty net. Uh, but by and large, you would say, you know, Canucks significantly the better team throughout this game and, and, and we're full value for the two points. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ian and Dunbar says uh, this is why not playing structured hockey against weaker opponents bites you. I don't know. The Canucks played structured tonight. I mean, there was no there was one rush chance the Devils had. Uh, the two, mm-hmm. really. One was a three-on-three. Three. The one uh, chance Mercer had that Demko stopped in the first. Everything else was point shots. Yeah, maybe you should defend mm-hmm. the point a bit better. But I thought defensively, I mean, the Devils had almost nothing going this entire game. The Devils had 26-shot attempts attempts through two periods. The Canucks had 63. Uh, yeah, the Canucks all, in all situations tonight, 78 shot attempts. Yeah. So it shows you how much they were leaning on the Devils tonight. All right, let's bring in Dan Riccio into the conversation. And Reach, I know we, we uh, there's always something to dissect when it comes to these Canucks victories, but what did you make of the way they played in terms of their overall team game tonight? Uh, it was as good a team game, especially through the first 20 minutes that we've seen from the Vancouver Canucks. And, 
you know, we talk about this, uh, and when we've seen it from the Canucks, when they turn it up like that, when they're as aggressive as they are or as they were in the first period, when they're on pucks, when they're winning as many battles, keeping the puck below the hash marks in the offensive zone, I mean, the, the Devils could do nothing. They, the only thing they could do in that first period was just relieve the pressure every now and again by flipping it up and out of the zone only to get a line change and for the Canucks to continue the onslaught. It was uh, as much of a staples performance as we've seen from the Canucks and maybe just surprising that the score line ended up where it did. Lotto line uh, back together again today. Didn't have to, uh, you know, it's like a high school reunion. You just fall in with your friends again and just the, the jokes are going again and the uh, the goals so <laughs> and the goals are flowing again. I, I I'm like surprised how easy they made it look. It was uh, you know the, the chemistry still there apparently. You know it's it feels like because we've talked about the lotto line being reunited and 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 these sorts of things. It feels like not that long since they've last played together, but it's been like three four seasons now guys like the 2019 20 year that's uh that's four years ago now that we're we're talking about the lotto line being dominant as as a line together when they were last playing together was towards the end of the green era and they weren't all that great you mm-hmm. know they were about 50 percent of the shot share and nothing was really happening they couldn't score much like the canucks couldn't score at all uh during the end of the the travis green era but tonight it just it worked you know they had levels in the offensive zone they were working the cycle you could see the way that they were setting up shop always having somebody in in the net front to make sure that that dawes was having trouble with it and it started with that disallowed goal in the first and the chemistry that we see on the second Pedersen goal where Besser, he's got options everywhere. He's got Miller as the, the middle drive guy as they enter the zone, and he's also waiting on Pedersen to come in and come down the weak side. You know, it's just the next level of offensive creativity, understanding between these players is a reason why they were, were so dominant tonight. I'm just, you know, I'm curious how it how it develops moving forward because one night it, it can work. Um, the Devils playing third and fourth night, uh, also on the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, you know, Monday night against the Rangers, if they can continue this, it's going to be a tougher test, and I think it'll be a better test of not only how this line plays, but how the rest of the lineup looks moving forward in this setup. I think what you just mentioned there at the end, to me, is the big key. How does the rest of the lineup kind of fare? And tonight, they were all fantastic. I mean, I, I don't worry about the lotto line going head-to-head against any line, if they can play yeah. the way they did tonight. I mean, they went supernova tonight. This is, this might be a peak performance. You know, they scored four well, they goals. they haven't been that line. good since, since we saw them in that first year together, JT Miller's first season. Yeah, because even you're right. Uh, even towards the end of the Travis Green era, now, it was a very unofficial search that we did uh, on Twitter to, uh, through Brendan Bachelor's tweets and the lineups to try to figure out when the last time these three started the game. And the one we could find was November, uh, what, November 17, 2021? Something so, like that. Uh, so against the Avs. Now, unofficial, but that kind of tells you maybe how long it's been since those guys played together. But it's about the rest of the lineup. Now, tonight... I thought the Garland-Joshua line did their thing, but I thought Suter, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko really looked good. And I know Kuzmenko didn't play in the final five or six minutes. A fourth goal goes in when they're on the ice, and perhaps he didn't cover the point the way they wanted him to. But I thought that line and the Bluger-Garland-Joshua line were both terrific tonight. Yeah, I, I really liked Suter, Mikheyev, and, and Kuzmenko. And I, yeah, Kuzmenko, 
we talked about his lack of volume shooting uh, in the pregame on the roundtable. And, you know, what does he do? I think he, had, he ended up with six shots on the night and had some real grade-A opportunities, had that great look seeing uh, Nils Oman come in off the bench on a line change, and he finds him for a grade-A opportunity again. So the vision, the offensive creativity was displayed. Um, it, it, it's It was more of the Kuzmenko that we saw last year tonight. And... You know, I thought he worked well on the forecheck, and he did some good things through the neutral zone as well. So it it really worked everywhere on the ice, and you know, that's sort of the, the, the hard thing to evaluate in a one-game vacuum is, is this something that can be real, or did this team just really take advantage of a, a Devils team that's extremely shorthanded because of all the injuries they currently have, playing a heavy schedule, again, playing the second half of a back-to-back Plus, they lose one of their defensemen, so they're a man short for a lot of the night. You know, it, it's just I, I need to see more of it, but definitely good early returns for that uh, Kuzmenko, Petr, or Suter, and Mikheyev line. Should be said, though, Kuzmenko didn't go out again after the goal against that his yeah. line was on for. Maybe he's partially at fault there, doesn't win a, a battle along the boards. Maybe he's in a kind of a rough spot that allows that pass to go to Brendan Smith. Um, I, I, I get it, and, and I understand all those things, Bick, and I'm, I'm with you on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same – like, are you not okay with giving Brendan Smith a shot from the point with little traffic in front? I mean, that's kind of a shot. I'm, I'm not – too afraid to give up to an opposing team, really. Totally, right? But I'm just saying, like, it was it was consistent, too, because Nils Oman got the same treatment as well because he yeah. maybe collapsed too far on the second Miller goal, Colin Miller goal, and, you know, he didn't really see the ice until the PK, and that goal came with 8.53. So two guys that maybe got some rough treatment today was Oman and Kuzmenko. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see with, with Kuzmenko. I, I, I wonder if, no matter what, if it was a one-goal game in the final five minutes, Kuzmenko just probably doesn't go out on the ice because that's, that's sort of been the, the, the track record. Um, it's we've, – we've gotten to a point now with Rick Tockett where we're, we're watching every single thing that Kuzmenko does and every little mistake that he might make, is it going to end up – in uh, in sort of a, hey you're you're being stapled to the bench or you might get healthy scratch the next game, um, we've got to see and I, I think this is something Rick Tockett needs to see mm-hmm. like you've got to give Kuzmenko a little bit of a runway here and see if he can find his game and correct his mistakes as as they move forward, putting him in and out of the lineup I, I'm just I'm not sure if it serves anything anymore. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you now. I think it's. I thought he had a really good game outside of maybe a couple of mistakes. And you're right. I think we're hyper-focused on everything he does because, you know, he's been held to a high standard, right? The mm-hmm. coach has reprimanded him, you know, five times in terms of healthy scratches, not to mention games where he's been stapled to the bench in the third period. So we're all looking for reasons why this could continue. It might be overanalyzing a bit, but again, he didn't play the past few minutes. So we'll see ultimately yeah. how that all kind of comes together. Uh, on the back end, however, tonight... Um, I thought the defensemen were outstanding tonight, Dan. I mean, we know Hughes and Hironic as a pair. Carson Soucy came back without missing a beat. Noel Juleson looked solid. Um, I thought Myers maybe had the one play on the three-on-three rush chance uh, where yeah. Halla scored perhaps. But outside of maybe one or two instances, I thought the D-men looked very solid tonight. Yeah, it just it felt like Myers just lost where he was on the ice for yeah. for a minute there, and uh, it gives Halla that, that extra little bit of space to, to take that shot and beat Demko. But... One of the things I thought was sort of instructive is uh, at the end of the game, Devils, they go six on four there with the penalty. 31 seconds left. They've pulled the net. Uh, they've pulled the, the goalie. 
and it's it's Ian Cole and Noah Juleson on the ice. And uh, a little bit surprised that uh, Noah Juleson was the guy they wanted in that moment coming out of a devil's timeout. So, you know, you're not necessarily worried too much about um, fatigue coming out of a timeout. You could put Myers there or whomever you would consider your top right shot defenseman to play in that moment. And I was I was a little bit surprised with with Noah Juleson being the choice. It just goes to show how much. He's he's earned the trust of the coaching staff to to be in that big spot late in the game. I I, I do want to cycle back to just really quickly the lotto line here uh, and Elias okay. Pedersen because there's been so much conversation obviously and you know one of the reasons we've been talking about you know Pedersen so much is hey, it'd be interesting to see him with like proper top line players. Now it's a one game sample. I don't even know if it's going to continue, but for for all the people that have been texting in, I imagine tonight is a, is a good indicator of like oh right. When Elias Pettersson plays with other strong players, you're going to see the best version of him. And even JT, the best yeah. version of JT yeah. when he's playing Absolutely, with Pettersson. Yes. They, were, they were all so good. And Pettersson, just having people and players to work off of and, and trust with the puck, um, the way that, you know, they, they, they did they spend any time in the defensive zone, any significant amount of time in the defensive zone? There might have been one or, or two shifts it just stayed so heavy all night. And, you know, Pedersen, he, he scores on that, the tip, and then he scores the other goal where he gets, stru- you know, just given the, the red carpet by Brock Besser and finding him off the weak side. I mean, you're going to get more opportunity when you're not the sole threat on a line. And with the way that Kuzmenko has played this year, and all due respect to Ilya Mikheyev, who's having a, a really strong season and has been as good as advertised coming to Vancouver, still not a guy that you would consider a, a major threat. And I think that's one of the things that the Devils really struggled with is you know, there's just too many areas, there's too many threats to cover when the lotto line is out there, and they can find each other so well that they're always finding the open man and finding the next best play on the ice. There were five shots on goal against when the Pedersen Miller uh, Besser line was out there together. So That's not it. bad. Yeah, uh, five. But hey, all the lines were good. I mean, uh, the the Beluger line only had eight, uh, six shots against. Hoaglander line had five, and the Mikheyev Suter Kuzmenko line only three shots against on goal when they were on the ice. A so very strong defensive performance by all the lines all together. However. The game still ended 6-4. For as dominant as the Canucks were and as good <laughs> mm-hmm. as they were defensively, a lot of pucks went through Thatcher Demko. And listen, we, we mentioned some of the breakdowns and everything, but Demko probably shouldn't allow four goals on the chances he faced tonight. They went. It seemed like the Devils were going after blockers side on him. Uh, there was a couple of good shots and everything. I think the Hollis shot, he rings it off the post. You know, that's glove side. The other three were blocker side goals. I asked Kevin Woodley about it, about, hey, you know, the blocker side, are they going after it? He said, well, a couple of years ago, teams were kind of trying to go after him. Then he cleaned it up really well. Maybe we're seeing a trend now. Teams going after Demko's blocker side. Maybe Travis knew. Maybe Travis knew. Yeah. Maybe it was a Travis's yeah. book, right? He was here a couple of years ago when that was the book, so to speak, on Thatcher Demko. But clearly not Demko's best game tonight. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to sort of argue otherwise. Um, you think about the three shots that come from the point. I mean, all three goals are essentially scored from distance, you know, and, and yeah. uh, actually all four goals are scored from distance, I should say. And that that's just something you don't normally see. He made 
the huge save on Toffoli, and and that's that's a big moment, mm-hmm. uh, the the first penalty kill the Canucks had, and so you know he still made a couple of big stops. Uh, he stopped Mercer in the first period when it's still a nothing nothing game. There's always going to be moments where Demko shows up big, but uh, the Devils. You know they they shouldn't have had four goals based on the on the chances the, the overall chances that they generated on the night and anytime any goalie in the league anywhere gives up three shots from the point three defensemen you know beat him clean from the point uh, that's that's something a goalie's gonna not love so much and I think you know having Colin Miller beat him twice blocker side and then Brendan Smith later in the game that's it's it's not the best of games from Thatcher Demko. No, not the cleanest game from him between the pipes, but a great game from you calling it alongside uh, oh. Brandon Bachelor. And also, you know, your uh, odds boost play came through tonight, a big one. Yeah, Quinn every, Hughes. Everybody's cashing tonight. We're everybody's all, cashing tonight. All three bets. I mean, one the one we didn't pick, which is mm-hmm. also available on play now, and I saw Kyle on, on Twitter mention it. And, yeah, I mean, he played all three. Play paid off well. The other one was JT Miller and the Canucks winning. Uh, uh, Dan's was two assists for Quinn Hughes and five Canucks goals, and mine was two, uh, one assist for JT for Pedersen and one assist for Heronic. All three come through. Great stuff, man. Reach, you're playing some 4D chess there. I see you working there. <laughs> yes, hey man. Devils were one six and one on the second half of a back to back, giving up like five goals a game in these second halves of backs to back. So it, it worked out well tonight uh, for for the odds boost selections and. Uh, as I used to say to my parents when I was like 13 and wanting to go to the movies, dammi soldi, give me the money, because uh, <laughs> I need it. Uh, pay, the research paid off. Great stuff, man. Go and enjoy your Sunday tomorrow. Cheers, fellas. Uh, that is Dan Riccio That's calling great. the game alongside Brandon Batchelor. Big game for the Canucks, 6-4 victory, and, and a big bounce back from that poor performance in St. Louis to start the road trip. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this on the pregame show, Bick. The Canucks... That could have been a swing game. The Blues, the thing you don't want to do is, hey, you know, be chasing this road trip, and it's like two or three games in. You haven't picked up a victory yet. You can't underestimate how big this win is in the picture of trying to have a successful seven-game road trip. No, certainly, uh, and especially when you're, you know, you're you're in this sequence here of three and four nights, and you know the Rangers are not an easy game by any means. I don't think Igor Shosturkin played uh, tonight either, so. Uh, you know, tapped for a game on Monday against uh, one of the league's best goalies. Then you get, you know, kind of the emotional game. Islanders, I know they've done this a couple of times against Horvat, but, you know, I imagine still some some guys will get geeked up for that game. So uh, it, it very important to wash away the performance that you had against uh, St. Louis, and now you are 500 on the road trip. Yeah, yeah 500 already. Now back-to-backs coming up Monday and Tuesday in New York against Rangers and then the Islanders as well. So uh, we'll keep talking about not only this game, but also looking ahead a little bit. A lot of reaction on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. We have a lot of phone calls as well. We'll get to your phone calls on the other side, but a couple texts pick before we hit the break. 650, 650. Uh, Susie really stabilizes the D. I forgot how solid he is. He's like uh, the Big Lebowski rug. He just ties the room oh, together. That's a good one. I like uh, it. Noah Julson is a PK savant. And uh, some some carryover from our last post game show, traditional souk. Somebody checking in on Jay and Poco. Patterson took the text personally. Oh yeah, yeah. Jay Jay and Poco responded to traditional souk last time. I said yeah. that's the best you got. You know, old jokes or whatever it is. <laughs> so we had some listener on listener violence in our text inbox. All right, we'll get to more of your thoughts on a text inbox, more of your phone calls, and we'll hear from the head coach after a six four Canucks win in Jersey against the Devils on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Graham Clark tried to dump it back in, but Hironic feeds ahead for Quinn Hughes. Left wing across the devil line for Besser. Into the slot for Pedersen to the goal. He scores. Elias Pedersen, middle of the ice, gets another goal for the lotto line, his second of the evening. And it's 5-2 Canucks. These guys are turning back the clock to the 2019-20 season when they took the league by storm, the lotto line, with their fourth goal of the night. And it's a beautiful one. On the entry, Hughes lays it off for Besser. He waits for Pedersen to come down off the weak side. And the Devils get their coverage all mixed up. Pedersen is all alone in front. Makes a quick move, backhand, forehand, and finds the five-hole of Nico Dawes. 5-2 Canucks. What a beautiful goal. Supernova. The lot of line goes tonight, and that is the play of the game. Brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Elias Pettersson gets another goal. What a performance from Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Brock Besser. Three points for JT Miller, three points for Elias Pettersson, and two helpers for Brock Besser with the setup for Elias Pettersson. And you talk about creativity, you talk Mm -hmm. about magic, and that was certainly on display on that goal. Uh, which helped the Canucks win 6-4 here on Sports and 650. Yeah, you could argue the, the Canucks' four best skaters uh, all linking together in that play because Miller and Patterson team up to break up a play in the uh, defensive zone right at the blue line, and Hughes takes the puck, dives in, and, and takes the D-man, and Brock just makes a good play on his backhand, getting it to a trailing Patterson and uh, Elias Patterson scoring goals set. 17 on the year now. 17 on the year. So that puts them on pace 31 for, assists. 31 assists. So 17 goals through 39 games puts them on pace for about 35 goals on the season. Are you doing quick maths here? Roughly. Wow. 35.7. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, he did that on the fly. There's no calculator. He's doing the like, I'm I was looking look- up, accessing <laughs> the, the intellectual side of his brain, the calculator side of his brain, and he just did that on the fly. Yeah, that was, that was not, pretty good. Not, not too bad. It's all right. That That's was, why not- I live in the, in, in, in the spreadsheets. It just does it all for me. The spreadsheets are easier. The mind will let you down from time to time. Well, do I not know that? All right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just in terms of, you know, you talk about Pedersen scoring, and, and you're right, and you were talking to Reach about this, and you brought up the point of you give Elias Pettersson some you know quality wingers and watch the you know everything unfold and this is true for every team you put their best players together usually they will perform but especially when the when the three best players at least the three best forwards so far this season for the Canucks all have a skill set that complement one another when they're mm-hmm. playing you know Besser with with his game along the walls and also him not being the fastest guy but with JT being so good on the forecheck Pettersson of course so great playing down the middle both guys Miller and Besser can drive down the middle as well so they really complement one another so it's not, you can it's an overstatement saying just put your best players together because sometimes stylistically mm-hmm. they're not fits but these three players certainly are but also for JT I know there's been a lot of focus on Pedersen and of course because you know JT's top 10 in scoring had you know 50 points coming in now has 53 he's been tremendous but the past few weeks his game and Besser's game haven't really been where they needed to be so I think it was one of the things where you find the right fit for both guys. It can make a big difference, and we saw that here tonight. And, and give uh, Brock credit, too, as well, on some forechecking plays as well. First forward down on the first Pedersen goal because Hughes is leading the rush on that one. JT chips it in for Hughes, who's the first guy there, but Brock's there to support as well uh, to help get that puck and 
get it out to D to D to set up the initial uh, Pedersen tip in the first goal of the game. So yeah, as you mentioned, like the, it, like there's a reason fans have always wanted to see this line go back together. Now the depth hasn't really been there for the team in general to want to do this. You had to split up Miller and Pedersen, and when we've had these discussions, like I've had them on my show, and we talked to Gannick, we talked to Brett Festerling, and they you, know, you think of a dream winger for Pedersen. It's like yeah, like a power forward yeah. who can kind of handle the puck and you know be good scoring with a good shot. And you do this, it's like yeah, those guys don't really exist across the league. And then you look at it, it's like well, it feels like you're just describing JT Miller, and it's true. Like the initial intention of the Miller acquisition is not to play center. It was to be paired with Elias Pettersson, and it's, it, it can work really well. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And uh, we saw that tonight came out in a ma- in a massive, massive way. And having versatility, guys who can play in the middle can play center. And even though JT played the wing five on five, he was taking the face off. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of versatility with how they use the guys, and they came out in a massive way tonight. And that is the play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. You can grab a phone line, 604 280 650 and we'll go to the phone boards in just a moment but Sean North Van brings up a point others have texted in this as well uh, and he says isn't tonight's game showing that we need another center I would give up a 2025 first in a package to get Lindholm love to hear your thoughts Sean North Van others saying hey you know, can the Canucks survive with their centers if those two guys mm-hmm. are playing on the same a lot line? Of like that, do yeah. they go after a center? How do you do things? And you've been, you know, you've been banging this drum for a while here, Bick, saying, hey, I know people talk about the, the ideal wingers for these guys. How about finding a center and moving these guys around? And it's certainly something to consider. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to, we're not talking about finding a third line center. We're talking about finding like a, a, a guy that can carry a line type of center. Again, the, the, make a transaction in the top six, but the end result has to be Elias Pettersson gets a winger. Mm. And, okay, so tonight it's JT Miller. So if you go out and acquire second-line center and JT Miller is the permanent fixture, the, the duo that you're looking for next to Elias Pettersson, that's a fine outcome. Now, your top six players are difficult to find. Top-line players, like if we're talking about someone just to play external of, of who's on the roster – to go play with Elias Pettersson, that you know, it's going to be a difficult task, and you know, someone that would have been going to free agency, maybe his name is coming off the list, and William Nylander. Lots of reports this week. Elliot Friedman even talking about it on Saturday headlines today on Hockey Night in Canada. Looks like there's a conclusion coming to that, and they'll end up solving uh, a contract for William Nylander. So okay, so that's another name that comes off the market in free agency this upcoming summer. But if, if you're going to go get a guy to go play with Elias Pettersson, it has to be a a player who knows what he is a goal scorer and a the type of player that I would label as regression proof. Yeah. Right? Like right now it feels like Andre Kuzmenko kind of going through a bit of an identity crisis of okay, what type of player am I? What type of player does this team need to be? What type of player do I need to stay as to to be in this league? The, the Vancouver Canucks need a goal scorer next to Elias Pettersson. Yeah. They do. And and the best one he's probably had is probably like Tyler Toffoli. In terms of pure goal scorer, Besser too, but you, mm-hmm. you're right. In terms of the type of winger, because when Toffoli came it, in and played that spell. He was also a young Brock Besser, right? Like yeah. The, a, a pure natural, like, hey, I'm a proven vet. It, it was Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, it was. I, I agree with you. And, you know, he's he's a type of player. Um, but it gives you options. Can you find a winger like that? Great. If not, can you mm-hmm. look for a center? And it doesn't. you don't have to solve your issue with just one transaction. Second-line centers 
aren't cheap either. No. And, and they're hard to come by as well. But and, and Sean's point was Elias Lindholm. Yeah. And I don't think they'll do it for a rental. And you can't, ex- you probably can't. Well, you could extend them if you move somebody. I mean, there are ways to do yeah. it. It's just. I, I just, I, I just grimace at the idea of paying big to get the player and then giving a contract right away. Right. If, if it's a younger player, like a, a 25 year old player, something like that. Okay, maybe a bit different, but I worry about like buying the UFA years immediately for someone like uh, Elias Lindholm, who again, I like, I, I think is a good player, mm-hmm. but like he's just turned twenty nine last month. I'm not sure those guys fit exactly, mm-hmm. but certainly uh, options on the table now for the Vancouver. You know who Canucks. Be sneaky for me? I, I there's no reports about this at all. Is it, does he play for Buffalo? He plays for Buffalo. You're gonna see him later on in this road trip, but you know, like there's a lot of centers in in Buffalo. I wonder. I wonder what happens with like a Casey Middlestat. That's a guy you've been tracking for a while. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of his heading into his draft year. It's taken mm-hmm. him a while to figure it out, but he's really taking. He seems his like he's figured it out these last. He two really years. has RFA at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay everybody. What are where the, what are they going to do? It, it, it's a different. Like, I, we just talked about not giving a guy trading for a guy to go give a contract. Different timeline, right? Younger player, a because he's an RFA and like his case to like go get really paid isn't going to be like Lindholm's. Like Lindholm's has had a fantastic season, UFA, and you can really push the number right-handed up. center. Yeah, you could push that number. If 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 he got eight, would you be surprised? No, not at all. So I don't think someone like Middlestad is going to fall on that same stage. Not that we're you know saying the imminent move or anything. No, like that, but, you, but his profile doesn't suggest he's going to get eight million dollars or something like that. You could live in the six million dollar range for that. People ask for names and suggestions. Bick is providing names yeah, and suggestions. That, that's what he's doing. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of those here uh, as the show goes on. But let's go to the phone boards. Uh, 604-280-0650, toll, toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we'll start things off in Surrey with Raj. Raj, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys. <clears throat> you guys are talking about the centers, and I think today we definitely took a beating on the face-off circle. Like when uh, I think Suter was taking a face off at the end of the game there and they were putting on the pressure, he was like two for nine and then he went two for 10. And that really didn't help us at the end of the game. I think that um, with the Kuzmenko goal, um, well, the last goal that the Canucks mm-hmm. scored on, Kuzmenko was cheating a lot. He wasn't hard to the D to D pass. And that pass that snuck through, it's the one that got through. So right now it seems like Kuzmenko is doesn't have a real line. He's taken off the power play. <clears throat> so that, it's just really difficult for Tockett to slot him in. And as soon as it gets to the point where it's a tight situation, he sits him down, and that's never good for confidence. So I really think that for Kuzmenko to be successful um, uh, coming up, I think that he really needs to either get back on the power play um, because his role on the third, fourth line uh, he's not really um, panning out and giving any productive minutes. He's actually being a really big defensive liability sometimes. Uh, that's about it. Hey, great stuff, Raj. Thanks for the phone call. So the, the face-off comment is you know very instructive of what you know tonight was because here's the thing: like we're all excited about the lotto line. They played fantastic, but you put the lotto line together and suddenly the depth gets eaten away and it's not as if the lotto line was out there for the the third period no, all the goals against of course and, and and my point here is when i talk about you know, adding a center. You're talking about adding a yep. center. It's about versatility. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you get the center and you keep JT and Pedersen together forever. It means, well, that center can play wing. Guys can play wing. Having the versatility to change sure. things up. You know what but I mean? But it, it's to true. Find duos. Tonight, the Canucks were 43% in the faceoff circle. Yeah. So they had their struggles. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like Pedersen's over 50%. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I don't think you, you got worse in the face-off circle by having JT taking more draws. I no, mean, but it, it comes down to it's, having it's somebody. One, it's one less guy, right? It's, it's true. Not that Pedersen's great at face-offs, but still. I mean, how much are you losing between, you know, Oman and Pedersen in terms of taking face-offs? But it, it's not just the losing of the face-offs. It's now two of your better players fair, fair. Are, aren't there to – in situations where they lose the face-off. Like, at least Pedersen loses the face-off. It happens enough times. Mm-hmm. He's still fine defensively. They're going to be able to recover the puck. Tonight, like, okay, now Nils Oman, you know, he, he ends up playing 11 minutes uh, even strength and gets pulled uh, for the final eight outside of the one PK shift, uh, which was 20 seconds. It's like you, you have to rely on different guys because now JT and Elias aren't yes. separated. So well, yes. it, it's it's a fair point there from Raj and Surrey uh, on that call. Well, if, if to me, the teams that are the best have guys that can switch from center to wing, can play multiple mm-hmm. positions for you, even though if they're natural centers, we know that with JT, Pedersen can do the same thing. Even a guy like Casey Middlestad, he can play wing. He's played wing. Mm-hmm. So like when I say, when we say add a center, it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, now you keep these guys t- together forever. It's about finding some different types of guys to work. And on the, the second point about Kuzmenko. So it was a, a holla pass that ended up going to um, uh, Brendan Smith. Unless we're talking about a different DDD pass. Uh, my apologies here, Raj. But it was the holla pass. And you can see Kuzmenko, his stick is up towards the blue line to the other D-man. And he's not really getting into the lane either. So it's like he's really cheating towards uh, the, the D-man that was on the ice uh, with um, Brendan Smith, who I believe uh, it was... Uh, Simon Nemich, and he lets that puck go through, and you know that, that, that he's he's shading hard in that play. And LB and Kakado also text in Kuzmenko. You know, handful of minutes left. That puck along the along the board. That puck has to get out, and he kind of doesn't really uh, fully commit. If, if that's the play, you know, Rick Hawkins will be looking at and saying you got to be harder on Nico Hishier there. And we'll hear from the head coach when that audio comes to us. But but before we do that, let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. And let's go to Nanaimo, where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, how's it going, boys? Yeah, Good. so all together, team effort by them. They had, what, 41 shots on net tonight? That's insane. For the Canucks, having 41 shots on net and beating the one of the best teams in the league. Well, yeah, Vancouver's one of the best teams in the league, but playing like a defensive team and an offensive team, like all together, I think that was one of their that was their best effort of the season, I think. And to pull out on the win, even though that the Devils had a back back, it was still insane. So uh, I'll just give hats out to Vancouver for having a still in the impressive season. Uh, that's just it's insane. Yeah, and, you uh, kind of breaking up. Say- Thanks for the phone call. You kind of like uh, the audio breaking up a little bit, but uh, essentially the point is that they were good on both ends of the ice, and I, and I agree. I mean, somebody texted in um, a few minutes ago uh, and mentioned uh, they made it too hard for themselves at the end of the game. I don't like how they closed that one out. I don't think it was. Yeah, maybe a couple mistakes. Like to me, it was Demko not making enough saves. Like we can talk about t- taking the point mm-hmm. guy, but. You'll give that shot, generally speaking, from that far they, out. They collapsed really deep. They right? did, maybe so, too deep at times. But to, to me, like I don't mind collapsing. Like I'm no. pro. I'm pro. When you know, you're protect, taking away the middle, of the protect ice. the middle. Yeah. It just it wasn't just that they collapsed. Is this that 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 winger never looked like he was prepared to get back out to the point to challenge the shot? Mm-hmm. Right. So body positioning. Right. Are are you shaped the right way to when that 
play that you want to give the the offense to are yeah. you ready to charge out and like those those shots were really uncontested and the guys were so deep not really getting into lanes to block anything yeah no I, i'm with you on that and that can kind of create some of those issues let's continue on the phone boards let's go to bella bella where we have dawn on the line dawn uh thanks for calling in uh what do you have for us tonight oh hey there uh yeah i just wanted to say uh susie looked good for not playing for so long and uh I got one, two questions. Uh, what's wrong with Big Z, and how long is he out for? And mm-hmm. another one is, um, you know, to me, watching hockey for so long as a fan, Kuz needs to play more. He needs lots of ice. You know, he's a talented, skilled scorer, and this scratching doesn't mean it. Doesn't do anything. Uh, I think if they scratch him one more time on this road trip. I think they should trade him. What do you guys think? Uh, hey, Don, thanks for the phone call. Uh, on the Kuzmenko stuff, I think it's easier said than done to trade him. It's just, I, I know we've gone through this before, but what contender right now is willing to give you what you're looking for or just take that contract off your hands when he is struggling mm-hmm. on a playoff team? So a team with aspirations, why would they be making him their addition? Why now? Right? Exactly. Like, the the menu of teams probably opens up more in the summer, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it's it's a fair point, and it sort of doesn't feel like the demand is going to be there. From sorry, it doesn't feel like the demand from the Canucks is like overly trying to push him out the door. No, and I think he wants to stay. I, I know uh, you know his agent has made it clear that they want to make it work here and everything. So I would assume that they're not at a point yet where it's like, oh, this has to change. I just think they have to try to work it out still. Mm-hmm. I think they're at a point where there's nothing really imminent, and I'm not sure the market is at the level where the Canucks could make a trade at this point. But you know what? Now that there's been some changes to the lineup, you know what line he would fit really nice on? Hmm. With Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. <laughs> I'll move Besser off the line? I'm just saying, like, because now it looks different, right? Because now, for a guy that's struggling, and you need him to be the running mate with Elias Pettersson, well, if Miller's there, you don't need him to be. And now you have a natural guy who's kind of the four-checker mm. and can be a playmaker as well. Now you have two people feeding off uh, to, to, to feed uh, Andre Kuzmenko. People are going to draw so much attention away yeah. from him. He can play off the puck. He, like he, a, a lot of players would look good on that line. I'm just saying, like, it, like he he played decently tonight. I know we're talking about that last goal. Like, I thought in general he was fine, but he would look pretty good on that line. Yeah, he would. I don't I don't necessarily disagree. This one says, guys, they were up five two and almost lost. That's brutal. We're lucky they didn't get that call on Luke. The trip on Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes really embellished that one as well. So if you want to call, so you can call on. that as a dry dive and as a trip. So. Yeah. But in terms, of, okay, five two. Sure. But okay, but so can, so like, were people like after the Devils game here at Rogers Arena? Were people thinking like, hey, what a performance? They lost 6-5, but they got three goals in the third period. No. No, they were down 5-2 in that game. And they lost. Doesn't it, matter. It, it's, in regulation. It's the same scenario. What's well, like that? In regulation. In regulation, too. too. I thought the Canucks, I mean, the Devils had a few chances late, sure, but I didn't think they were like inviting the Devils back into it. I think Demko should have made a few more saves. And to me, the goalie should have made him a few more saves. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. He's part of the team and everything. But in terms of how they were playing and approaching the game, I didn't see a team teetering. The coach called a timeout, which I thought was good because they scored two pretty quick goals, settled things down a little bit. But I didn't feel like the Canucks were letting the game slip away in terms of their play. It was kind of just how the events unfolded to bring them back to 5-4. That's how I felt about the yeah. game watching it. 
one save kind of changes uh, a lot here yeah, for you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to be a little cleaner? She can always critique, right? You want the goalie to make a save? Yeah, sure. But it's about finding a way to win, and they certainly did. Um, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650, 650. We'll hit a lot of those thoughts on the other side, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-4 Canucks victory in New Jersey against the Devils. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too, on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ninth goal of the season for Eric Halla comes at 1937 of the second period. The time of the goal is brought to you by Crow, your trusted advisors for 55 years. Learn more at chromakai.ca. Garland back into the devil zone. Wrap around. He scores with 10 seconds left of the period. Connor Garland answers back for the Canucks. It's 4-2. to two. How brilliant is this? Connor Garland says, oh, yeah, you think you have life, New Jersey? Uh-uh. I'm coming back and restoring this two-goal lead. Garland takes the puck at the red line, goes all the way around the net. Dawes somehow doesn't cover the wraparound, and it is 4-2 for the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks go on to win 6-4 over the Devils, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. And we are going to get to the head coach as soon as we get the audio available. Um, but we have a lot of thoughts on the text inbox. And I, we'll get to some of the trade suggestions in, in a couple of minutes here because uh, there's a lot there, obviously. But but in terms of how this game went... Early returns on my uh, middle stats edition were not nice. No, people are not liking uh, Bur- it? At Burray's flow, middle stat ain't the answer. Need someone better right now. Better right now. Well, I mean, it's... it's easy. Yeah, I mean, sure, I love a better player, but it's not that easy to find better guys. Again, of of what could potentially be available. Right? And also something that's not a rental, a pure rental. Yes. It, it, it's a very specific market I'm, I'm, I'm crafting here. Uh, but, I, you know, I would say for Casey Middlestad, that's 92 points in the last 120 games. He, he, he's not chopped liver. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I, I understand the initial trepidation. Yeah. But it, it's not like... Bergeron's gonna fall from the sky for you here. It's it's the the elites are very tough to get. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it was traditional Souk was saying, "What about uh, Alex Tuck?" Like they're not trading Alex Tuck. I don't think Buffalo. He's from Buffalo. They he's were t- over the moon to get he, him in the trade with uh, Jack. Eichel. He's from Buffalo. He's a pure power forward, six foot four, can score goals, can hit, can fight, can do everything. He has a contract under five million for three for two more years beyond this, or three more years at under five million per season. And he's a point-per-game guy. I don't think he's available. And if he is available, it's going to cost you a ton. Mm-hmm. And people saying Tom Wilson. They just extended Tom Wilson in, yeah. in, in Washington to an eight-year contract. Like, I, I like these guys. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're going to be available. And if they are available, it's going to cost a lot. And Tom Wilson, I mean, he's going to be 38 when that contract ends. And he's getting paid, what, $8 million per season? It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of money. It's not a small contract. And a lot easier said than none when it comes to adding those types of players at this stage. Um, you know what? We may as well do it now because we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, trades and, and suggestions. Checks coming in here? Yeah. Uh, Bryler in Fort McMurray, Alberta. What about Duclair? And this one also says, Duclair, a cheaper rental winger, but I like the idea of a cheap rental. Yeah. 
again, an, an interesting player. Certainly can score goals. Do you think Anthony DeClaire would earn the trust of the head coach I, I in tough situations? About that. I have my concerns about that. Here's the thing. That's always been the, the M.O. And, and I know a name, gone. I name you guys were talking about on Central this week was like Frank Vetrano. Mm-hmm. Again, like I like these players. They're, they're real NHL players and they have skills. You, you know what it feels like? And it's the same thing you and I were talking about on the postgame show a couple of games ago. The ideas are like, oh, just go get like a, a, a second line winger and, and, and Elias Patterson will make them better. Or you'll play with JT, someone to play in that PDG spot. Mm-hmm. All these ideas, they're. I'll use a, a Breaking Bad term here, Seth. All right, I like it. They're half measures. They are half measures. They're That's they're true. just yeah, like but again, then, they're they're fine players, right? I don't want to take anything like they're 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 they give real. you depth in your in your in your lowering your lineup. That's what they do. But this team should be trying to create stars, not depth. I agree. Right? And they have it, some decent you're in this depth spot. Players. You're in this spot here where you can call whatever you want, retooling on the fly, build uh, Patrick Alvin like brick by brick, right? They're building brick by brick. Yeah. Is 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 that a brick? Is Anthony Duclair, Frank Vetrano a brick to you? No. Or is it just like, hey, let's just prop this up for, for, for the next sure. four months? I would say this. At least Vetrano, I think, is good enough defensively, and I think is gritty enough and good enough along the boards that he can play the four-checking role. Mm-hmm. And I, I can think, I can see him doing that and playing off some guys. But he's also like the, having like a career year I, and an, I, an elevated role where he's playing two minutes more every you, night. It's going to cost you a first. I'm not trying yeah. the first to get him. Exactly. I agree. I'm saying exactly. I like the player in terms of what he can bring, and I can see him being the third guy in a line that does some positive stuff in your top six. But yeah, I'm not going out and trading my best assets but, to go and get Frank Vetrano. But you're in this retool in the fly environment environment and I, I don't think you can live doing half measures yeah i think you've got to go if if you're gonna buy you've got to buy something that's solid something that's gonna be here yeah for some 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 time and li- like living in the rental market or just nibbling around the edges for some again some real nice players but you're not in a stage where you're buying depth the, no. the move should be move guys like mikhaev down the lineup that's your required depth you go get a real top line player or someone that really stabilizes into your top six. Or again, like I, I know middle stats not a top quote unquote top six player, but he plays behind Tage Thompson and and Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Is, is, do you make a bit of a projection to say, hey, we got some service here, some guy we can put him in the spot, and he he could play second line center, and JT goes to a wing with Elias Patterson, something like that. But you you got to get someone that's like real. Yeah. No, that's kind of how I feel about it too, right? Do a full measure. Full measure. I, I'm with you. If I'm if I'm going to be trading a first round pick, I'm I'm going big. You know, I'm trying to add somebody big. Um, you know, perfect example like like Connor Garland. Yeah, that, that that was a half measure. It was right, and same thing. Like it, it was a half measure, and also, I mean, and Pard- it cost you a fortune. It did. Now, Pardeep mentions what about trying to get Stamkos as, as a rental. As a free agent, Stamkos on a short-term deal. I think he can play wing, can play center, can do different things for us, score a lot of goals, you know, if you get him on a shorter-term type of deal. But uh, it's a bit more complicated in, in that regard. And again, Alex Tuck, just I don't see Buffalo trading Alex Tuck, for those wondering about Excited him. Excited to see him in a couple of Yeah, games. you are going to see him. He's from Buffalo, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're trading Alex Tuck. Uh, Ian and Victoria Nekash, that's a guy that's high on my list. Mm-hmm. He's a guy I mentioned. Him and Buchnevich have been a couple guys that I've been tracking in terms of guys to keep an eye on that I would be interested in, and I think those are not bad suggestions. All right, uh, that's it on the trade front. We'll, we'll hit some more of your texts and suggestions coming up in a bit here, uh, but as far as the game goes, we have some thoughts on the phone boards as well. Let's go to 604-280-0650 and we'll start things off in Vancouver with Matt in Vancouver. Matt, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts tonight? 
Um, my thoughts are we should definitely see a longer run here now for the lotto line. Like, Tockett should get to know what he can do with these guys and see how that works as long as that Bluger, uh, Garland, Joshua line keeps going. That's mm-hmm. essentially, like, when it's playing so consistently and, like, in terms of their behavior on ice and their production, very consistent, very predictable. So that's almost like a 2B. If you get this middle six group and then basically the other, the other line there could be suitor with – whatever winger is going um and and i think that fourth line kind of got unlucky to be minus two i think tonight for all of those guys because they could have scored a bunch of goals early um so if we like our depth like i hope they get a good run with these guys and they can see like i I thought the whole team responded to having those guys together and and basically like by the time they come to the playoffs they're going to walk their preferences you know clear and have all this experimentation when you think about the best lines this year it's been the lotto line it's been the Besser uh, JT PDG combination when they were on fire, and it's been that Bluger line. And then the, the line that really hasn't happened in the way that we wanted is with PD and whomever. And, and, and we've been all just like agonizing over PD's performance, really, it just hasn't clicked. So, really, like just put him and JT together, just like Edmonton has that option. Like, when they know what they can get in the dry cycle and with David together. We should know, like, my, which I mean, the coaching staff should know what we have when we have our fastball out there. So keep it going through this road trip and see if the team is far. That's, that's, that's what I have to say. Hey, Matt, thanks for the phone call. That's Matt in Vancouver calling in and riding the lotto line and seeing how far that can take them. I mean, it's not a bad suggestion. I think at this point, with how they're playing and how they're, you know, going about things. You go with it until things aren't working out anymore. For, for, for again, I, yeah, think, for I, now, I feel like this is a short-term thing, and it's cool. Like on this road but trip, ride it. it out. But I think and, you ride it, yeah. And we, we've mentioned this too. Like, like this is a stage where they can test some things out here. Bluger line get some matchup spots. All right, so so test out putting the lotto line back together. See how it works. See how the rest of the depth. I, I feel like it will be impacted on the rest of the depth, not necessarily the the success of. Uh, the Pedersen Miller duo, yeah, like they're gonna have success. Those three players together, they're gonna have their success, and it's it, it's it's gonna click, and they're gonna put up points, and and they're gonna be helpful towards wins. But like this is the the depth is where it's gonna be impacted. Yeah, and tonight in the third period, like they had their struggles, but they, they were some... they, they were good in the first two periods. I obviously. thought, that, I mean, yeah, and I mean the Devils obviously playing third and three and four nights. No Jack Hughes, some injuries. They're not at their absolute best, but the Canucks were absolutely all over them. And I thought the Kuzmenko line was really good outside of maybe a moment late. And you know, we'll see if if that changes anything in terms of how the coach approaches things for the games coming up on Saturday, on uh, Monday and Tuesday in New York against the Rangers and the Islanders. Let's continue on the phone boards and let's go to New West where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are this, uh, great win, big two points, much needed after that loss in St. Louis, which I think they should have found a way to win that game, but at the end of the day, they found a way to get it done tonight, get big two points, and now they head into Madison Square Garden, which we all know is a mecca at sports and entertainment, and they go in there and play a tough Rangers team, but they got to find a way to get a sort of result, I think, because they've got back-to-back coming up. But overall, tonight, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, they dominated the Devils, like you guys said, but at the end of the day, they found a way to get it done, would it counted, right? Um, you know, they, the offense looked really, really good. Um, so that's what I think. And uh, Bick, I have one question for you, though. How, what do you think of your CLC Hawks? Will they make the playoffs, yes or no? And I'll hang up and listen, guys. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I will say no. And that, 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 that pains me to say, uh, but it, it's not going to be easy going winning in Arizona tomorrow. No, like, you're, you're always, it's a house of horrors, Arizona. In, in Arizona, it's just always injuries but happen. The thing is, it, it's, it's out of their control. 
right? Like, that's the frustrating bit. The Packers are playing the Bears. Now, hey, that's a divisional game. They're always frisky. You never know. Mm -hmm. Um, And and as far as the Canucks game, he mentioned he liked the performance and and how they played tonight. And I did, too. Yeah, there's a lot to like in tonight's game. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of discussion about what happened at the end and Demko wasn't sharp enough and all that. That's, That's all true. But I really liked their effort for... Overall tonight, for for about sixty minutes, like maybe a couple breakdowns here and there, but that's going to happen in a game. And I, and I didn't think the scoreline was at all indicative of how lopsided this game was, truly, especially at even strength. And okay, are are they breakdowns when they're the point guy? It'd be it'd be one thing if it was like a backdoor tap in. Yeah, are we fair, saying they're, are fair. we saying they're breakdowns because the goal went in? Fair. No, I think that's absolutely fair. We're not even batting an eye if the goal doesn't go in. Mm-hmm. Would you say Meyer's not picking up? The guy in transition is a bit of a breakdown. That one is definitely okay. That so one, that's, that's a yeah. hollow goal at the end of the second period. Mm-hmm. And then Garland scored seconds later. <laughs> Which, by the way, I uh, should read this text here. Uh, 650-650, see if I can grab it here. Uh, Mike from Maple Ridge. You have to mention the most important goal of the night was probably the Garland goal. Which is fair because, you know, the, the devil's punch. And you think, oh, man, you go into the intermission and you got the sour taste in your mouth. As far as, like, what kind of changed the tone of the game, that one probably did it the most. Because it was a punch right back. Yeah. Obviously, the, the the success that Miller and Pedersen had putting up goals tonight were were pivotal. But that one was was such a key one because the, the Devils probably going in with all these good vibes, and then Garland and, just takes it away from them. Yeah, they they switch off for a second, and Garland takes it away, and suddenly you just get this gut punch. And and sure enough, like you come back into the next period. Um, Elias Pettersson scores two minutes into the period. Yeah, no, he did. Sea uh, Legs texts in and says, good road win. The top line was truly a top line. Dak has become a beast. Garland must have heard you, Sat. Uh, he has a ver- ferocious puck hound. Can't believe people are not calling about him. And Carno Garland has been fantastic. I criticized him earlier this season. I love his game. He's been terrific. There's really not much you can criticize him for. He's been a driver on that third line. Well, really the second line tonight with their ice time and deployment. And now he's up to five goals and 18 points. Kind of inching closer and closer to more respectable numbers in terms of production. At the end of the day, you want to see production. You're still paying $5 million. got to see a bottom line of production. And they are getting it as a whole. But getting him to really finish the season strong, I think, is really important. And for the talk of you know our teams calling on him, the numbers do matter, and if you get to the end of the season and he puts up a respectable season and he's playing the way he's playing, then it may change the equation in terms of not only how he how they view him fitting here or how they view him as an asset potentially. For Dakota Joshua? For Garland. Oh, for Garland. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, he, he, I, he's, I, he's making it... He's uh, making it work right, and I don't think there's an in-season trade where it makes no. sense. I think in the off-season, different story. I would still like to move money a bit differently, but right now with how he's playing and how that line is having success, you don't want to break that up. In season, it, it would be... I don't think there's anything out there in season that makes sense for you anyway. foolishness, I yeah. think, because of how good that line has been. It's something... And I've been thinking about this too. When we're having these conversations of, of lotto line and things like this, I think what's important to think of is when you see something or when you think of an idea, ask yourself too, will this translate to the playoffs? Because mm. it's, it's only relevant... In that context. And Dave from the Valley is texting in here. Law to line, not sustainable in the playoffs. Canucks will likely make the playoffs. So it's a matter of building chemistry now with four lines to push to make a push in the offseason. PD does need top ta- talent support as well. That's Dave from the Valley. But, yeah, like the, the lotto line thing to me is it's fun now. But I don't know if you can do that until there's another acquisition. And so the Garland line, it's like, well, that's going to carry you over into the playoffs. That's something you can rely upon in the playoffs, pending the role and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But, I just I view it in that sense of it's it's all well and good, but 
that that's more of an off-season discussion for me. No, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, this text just came in, and uh, oftentimes the first text that first come in, we don't always get to them. But I thought it's, it makes it's a good point here. Demko has given up four goals on the stick side from shots from distance over the last two games. Is this not a point of worry? We spoke about this a bit earlier, and I mentioned how I, you know, I was texting with Kevin Woodley, and mm-hmm. you know, we kind of wondering about, hey, is this a thing? Are teams going after Thatcher Demko uh, blocker side? And he mentioned a couple of years ago that was the book on Thatcher Demko. Teams try to go blocker side. You mentioned the head coach. I mean, the the associate coach for the Devils is Travis Green. And he may know a thing or two because a couple of years ago that was the book on uh, Demko. Now, if you go to the Blues game, the, the previous games too, you know you've seen a few blocker side goals go in. It's something he's shored up, but it's something to keep an eye on. Like mm-hmm. they were after it tonight. It was successful. They they've been it more recently. So I think it's something to track. I'm not sure I'm concerned, but it's certainly something to track. You know who's also probably aware and keeping an eye on it. Ian Clark and the coaching staff. I'm sure. And you know who's you know among the best at cleaning things up? Uh, Thatcher Demko, Ian Clark, and the coaching yeah. staff. So, yeah, look, I, I understand people pointing it out. Like, is this a cause for concern? You know, I, I goaltending really does not even enter my mind. A lot of things that I'm concerned about because of the pedigree of the staff that you have in place here. And also just the track record of the player. And, yeah. And I agree. Like, I don't think Demko's been at his best. But you know how many regulation losses he has? Now in his um, last nine starts, two, one. Oh, that's pretty good. He's he's seven one and one in his last nine starts. The save percentage. Oh, is, right, because the Smith was in Philly. Yeah, yeah, the save percentage is 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 down a little bit coming into it over the previous uh, eight games. It was a nine nineteen, but it's kind of gone down a little bit with this performance here. But. I thought he was fantastic against the Blues. Like this notion that he hasn't been good recently. I agree that, you know, there's a couple games in there mm-hmm. and tonight he wasn't at his best. But I thought he was spectacular against the Blues. Like he was the Canucks best player against the Blues. They only allowed two goals and he was the reason why they even had a chance late in the game. And by the way, congratulations to Thatcher Demko as well. Oh yes, why? Because it's uh win number one hundred for Thatcher Demko, which places him fifth in career wins in uh Canucks history. He passes Jacob Markstrom. Who's got 99? Dan Cloutier now coming up very close at 109, and Richard Brodeur at 126. That's uh, who's ahead of uh, Thatcher Demko right now. McLean Luongo, obviously, as well. All in its sight lines, and he's going to be pretty high on that list by the time he gets to the end of his Canucks career. Hopefully, a more fruitful one. You are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Presented by the number five orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number five is open. We'll hear from the head coach, plus we'll hear from JT Miller and Elias Pedersen as the Canucks Central Postgame Show rolls on. As Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Postgame Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network slipperiness that they can play with coming down and working down the left flank it uh, it's really a lot like watching Quinn Hughes Luke Hughes with a shot rebound what a save by Demko he robbed Toffoli all alone in front Tyler Toffoli had no one around him went backhand to forehand off the rebound from the shot by Luke Hughes and Demko made a tremendous save kicking out the pad to his left to keep it 5-2 to two, and the Canucks clear it back down the ice Thatcher with the glove, just an unbelievable save on Tyler Toffoli. 
Thatcher Demko, the discussion, a big save there, as you heard. Canucks win 6-4 over the Devils, and this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show presented by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. We are going to get back to some of your text messages, but we've been waiting for the audio from the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, and we'll get to it right away, and we'll hear from Pedersen and Miller as well, but here is the Canucks head coach after a win against the Devils, game two of a seven-game road trip. Coach, you guys weathered a storm late there. What stood out to you about the way this group played? Well, I thought the guys played really hard, obviously dominated the first half. And then they they came at us and a couple of, uh, you know, coverage blown at the end. But, uh, you know, we'll go to the drawing board on that. But I, I, for the most part, I like the effort of the guys. What's your mes- message in a timeout late there to the group? Just trust the system. You know, guys were running around a little bit. Just You got you just got to trust. And then when you get the puck, you got to skate with it. I, I thought as soon as we get it, we were stopping and we're just flipping pucks. And I think... You know, when pressure hits you, that's when you want to skate. You want to make plays, but you also want to trust the system. You made that change to put PD with Besser and Miller. What did you like about what they were able to do, aside from, obviously, the offense? Yeah, just to, you know, just to why not put it together every once in a while. I, I mean, I'm, you know, we'll see how long I'll keep it together, but sometimes it's shot in the arm for the team. Yeah, somebody told me about it. Yeah, I don't know much about that stuff. Who, who's I, was it? Whose idea was it to put them together? Was it yours, or did the player come to you? Or? No, no players. Was, I don't know. Just, you know, chemistry, or just uh, throwing stuff in a blender, and we came up with that line. Was it that they got off to a good start? The goal was disallowed, but you guys looked dominant in the first as good as maybe you've played in a while? Yeah. Yeah, I just think we were skating, we were forechecking. I think a lot of our games, and we were forechecking well. I think when we're disconnected then we start backing up and, and th- I, I think that's as good as four check we had and then you know we made some good plays um, throwing pucks in the net um, yeah no it was good it was good first disbelief a little bit when you had the two bad shifts and you got to five four instead of well I just I, I, I mean this is something you you know that's why it's important that you know practice or mental reps you just gotta you gotta put yourself in situations uh, even in practice you know, you can't overback check. Yeah, you have to scan the ice. If two, there's two devils down there, there's no reason, and we have everybody covered. No reason for the forward to go down there. Just stop in the slot, scan the ice, and you have the next wave. And for whatever reason, we get a little, we're hyperventilating, and we're kind of, I don't know, what we're trying to overback check. That's the stuff you got to learn, though, because it's, you know, that's the the stuff that uh, it's going to ramp up the pressure. Good teaching moment for the group to have it happen in a game situation yeah. like this one. Oh yeah, but I, you know, I like the grind. I mean, you know, what I love about it. Yeah, we gave up a couple of goals. They got back in, and then we had to kill a huge penalty, and we with with, with sort of the the storm there. So, to get the two points after killing that penalty was big. You know, it probably gives some guys some confidence. Rick, you've done a lot of self matching with Adam over the course of the season. Hughes, Ronick with Miller, but now with Pedersen on that line, it feels pretty top heavy, but obviously in a good way tonight. What did you like about that look? Well, I think you know, obviously the the puck possession, some regroups. Uh, getting the puck with speed to the, the, the neutral zone. Um, yeah, when you get a guy like Huggy and, and um, Phil, you, you know, if you're, if you're skating, you're going to get the puck on your stick. Uh, we can create those odd man rushes, um, you know, some mismatches. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. See how long we keep it together. But, uh, you know, I, I thought those guys had a nice job for us tonight. People look at the score sheet and think it was a gaudy, glitzy sort yeah. of performance. But with the way that they forechecked, it almost felt like they had a blue collar game. Would you? Uh, us or them? Your top line in particular. Well, I think that's really important. I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer of the leadership group. Um, when you when you're playing, things are going well. To stay with it, stay. You know, don't start 
get out of your comfort zone and start making fancy plays. If we can just stay with our game plan, <clears throat> whether up four nothing, five nothing, I think it would, same thing Ottawa. You know, we we gotta let, just let the game, just move the game along. It's okay to, to have a neutral shift. You know, we don't have to hit a home run when you're up three nothing. You know, I think that's the the next part that we're really trying to teach this group. You know, it's okay to hit some bun singles every once in a while when you're up. Uh, that doesn't mean you back off. I'm not saying to prevent, but I think that's kind of something we got to really preach. Is there a possibility, and it's just one game, yeah. and you know that team's on a three and four, on sure. and on, but is there a possibility that deploying your lineup this way could add an extra gear to what you're able to do at the top of the lineup, five on five? Well, I think th th there's situational. This is going to be a situational, you know, and then, um, you know, there's going to be times where I'm going to need PD to play on a different line mm -hmm. to center, um, you know. Um, I thought actually the Suter line, I thought they had some good yeah. moments. You know, I thought they had some good moments. I thought the, the you know, I felt bad, you know, the Laffrey line and uh, Oms, I know they're minus two, a couple of, you know, blown cover. <clears throat> I wish they got the, the game claims. I thought they played well. I want to get their confidence up. So, but in the most part, those guys played good too. Do you think the first was the best period you played so far on this road trip? Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It was a bit, that was definitely, definitely our best. Yeah, for sure. But it was, it was just a, we needed a good start. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-4 victory. Overall, pretty pleased, most uh, um, like most of their game. Um, kind of mentioned he took the time out because they wanted the guys to settle down and trust the yeah. system. And mentioned about being a bit cleaner here and there. The next level they're trying to reach is, you know, it's okay to have neutral shifts. You don't have to try to hit home runs all the time. So some critique there from the head coach, but he was certainly pleased with how the team played. But maybe my biggest takeaway, um, not that he didn't like how the lotto line played, Miller with Pedersen and Besser, but he was pretty noncommittal about them sticking together. And essentially, boy, not essentially, he said this will be a situational thing that we do. Interesting. Uh, Which is honestly like you want to ride it now. You're mm -hmm. having some, some success. But we mentioned going into the playoffs, you, you have to probably figure some other things out. But for the time being... It was a massive shot in the arm, yeah. like you mentioned. And it, it presents at least an upside every once yeah. in a while, right? Because we've sat here and we've talked about, okay, like how how fast can you play and all this sort of stuff. Well, you put that line together, you can play really fast, mm -hmm. right? And you suddenly look like a dominant team. And you you overwhelm the, the, the Devils tonight. And that line, when they're at their best, and now throw in you know Hughes and Ronick together, because they, they, the five of them all play together quite a bit tonight. And you just saw they can just overwhelm teams, mm -hmm. and now you have an upside every once in a while, right? You're 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 ace in the hole. That if you need to go something to to stem the tide and really push back in a game, this is something you can unlock now. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's short term, cool. If they're situational, where you know back and forth in the game, and they want to just push the tempo, they can go to this now. No, they can, and, and they were so prolific tonight. And, you know, he mentioned he liked how the Suter line played. Praised was, the other lines, he too. He did. Yep. He praised the other lines. The Suter line, which uh, Suter had Mikheyev and Kuzmenko on his wings, he wasn't asked specifically about mm -hmm. Kuzmenko, but he said he liked that line, so I would assume he liked how Kuzmenko played tonight, too. And again, by and large, like outside of the, the goal against, Dude, I, 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 I thought Kuzmenko was great. Honestly... Outside of that chance, I thought that that line was their mm -hmm. most effective line in terms of generating. Like, they they spent next to no time in the in their own zone. Like let, let me bring up the numbers here in terms of uh, while you look that up. Like there was a play too. Noah Julson had a great breakout pass uh, to Kuzmenko. Like really whipped it from the goal line basically all the way out to Kuzmenko. Had a rush chance. Oman gets a chance on that shift as well um, later on. So again, it, it 
because Manko had moments, especially when he shot as much as he did. So he gets to finally pass Anthony Bovillier on uh, most shot attempts on the Vancouver hey, Thunder five, five this year. There we go. We'll take that. Yeah. But but look at this though. That line, the Suter, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko line, controlled 78% of the shots. The shots were 7-3. Shot attempts were 18-5 when they were on the ice. 18-5. They spent, like, what, the vast majority of their time in the offensive zone. And it wasn't like they were giving up chances. They had a goal against, but in terms of high danger chances, not a single high danger chance against when they were on the ice. So that line, to the coach's credit... Mm -hmm. You know, I know a goal happened when they were on there late, but they were terrific in terms of controlling the, the game tonight. And we mentioned this in intermission. I thought they were the Canucks. The lot of line was, like, prolific. They went supernova and scored or whatever, but I thought consistently shift after shift, that line just kept spending time in the offensive zone. Uh, again, per natural statric, 17-6 tonight, 5-on-5 uh, five five, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks as far as high-danger chances. So uh, one of their best games of the year as far as generating uh, 5v5. Uh, which is uh, pretty fantastic uh, for, for, for what they did today. Uh, 650, 650, uh, keep coming into the text, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, um, you know, some thoughts on Demko coming in as well. Uh, Demko has to be involved early uh, in the game. Uh, it sucks when you're coming in cold in that game. So not a lot of work early uh, for Thatcher Demko. That one's coming in from Ian. Uh, and also this one, Glennon Burnaby. Oman has to go back to uh, go back to Abbotsford. Clueless defensively again. Demko weak on the stick side with an 840 save percentage tonight. Look, uh, Thatcher Demko just doing his own work, uh, uh, helping out the PDO. Yes. Yeah, uh, but continuing that. Glenn's text here. Canucks changed their play in the third, started dumping it and flipping it out. And uh, playing passive because Michael looked better. A lot of line, obviously gold. That is Glenn in Burnaby. Yeah, um, I I think Oman. The text about Oman. I thought he had, he was pretty good on the forecheck. Then there was that one mistake, and the coach said he really liked that line, and he felt that it was too bad they got scored on because he wants to get their confidence back up. So. I actually thought Oman outside of maybe again mm-hmm. in the third at times. I thought he was very effective on the forecheck. He had a, he created a good breakaway opportunity or clear cut opportunity. Uh, he was winning a lot of battles with the puck. And we, again, you want to talk about it being effective as a line when they were on the ice. That line they also control play at a big way, uh, not the same way those other lines did, but they were at fifty nine percent of controlling the shot attempts, and they were five five in terms of shots for and against on the ice, and not a ton of chances going the other way either. So, yeah, it, it wasn't perfect, but I thought they were pretty good overall too. Did what they needed to do. Yeah. It's your fourth line. Yeah. You know, and and, and that's kind of how it goes on that side. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get some audio too from JT Miller and from Elias Pedersen, two members of the lotto line. No Ian McIntyre tonight. I caught up in traffic, so he's not going to be able to make it on the post-game show, but we'll chat with him. That uh, New York City traffic. It's tough, man. From New York to New York, it's it's not very easy. So we're New not York gonna... to New York. Yeah. I see York. Yeah. Uh, and then um, they are playing the Rangers and the Islanders. He, he, thought, he thought he had a New York minute, and it just did, uh, didn't happen. Is a New York minute supposed to be faster? longer i don't know i just i thought that's I'd what be, it's called yeah. yeah i don't know i don't get it all right i feel like new york minute is short <laughs> yeah i think so it's really quick that's kind of what the idea is because new york moves fast is that the idea I don't, i'm just guessing here yeah suppose I, so. uh, shoot i don't live there <laughs> we're guessing I, I i just know it was a mary kate and ashley uh movie wasn't it oh yeah that's right it was it was some washed references sometimes very, on very the show. Very, very bad re- yeah. references. Uh, very bad. All right, we'll get to more text messages. Let's, th- let's take a phone call before we hear from JT and from Elias Pedersen. Let's go to Dallas where our friend Nav is on the line. Nav, what's going on, buddy? What are your thoughts tonight? Not much. How are you guys doing? Thanks for taking my call again. 
Yeah, man. Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year. And Fat, thank you for those kind words on Twitter during Christmas. It meant a lot to me. I really appreciate the work that you, Bick, and Dan put in for us Canucks fans far away. Thanks, man. Wow, what a game. We were all over the most of the game. A little nail-biter at the end. Um, I really like the Hoglander and Lafferty combination. No matter who they're playing with, Amon or Studer, that would be a great fourth line for us. Hoglander is just relentless. He's like a Yannick Hansen with better hands. <laughs> um, I was also surprised Lotto line was together today, caught me off guard, but they looked really good, better than they did before. PD's look like the best I've seen in a little while. Can't say enough about the Garland line. They're great, consistent every night. They'll be a great line in the playoffs. Um, one thing I was really happy about Kuzi. Kuzi looked good tonight. He was yeah. creating chances. He was forechecking. Uh, I think it's the message is finally getting through to him. And the last thing is, Kind of a joke, but kind of serious. What do you think about signing Corey Perry? Because he somehow makes the cup finals with any team that he's on. Hey, uh, Nav, thanks for the phone call. We'll start with Corey Perry. I think the biggest thing with Corey Perry is... Is, is he ready to play? Is he ready to yeah, play with so. what he's going through, going into the program and everything, and trying to, he said, getting his life right. That's the most important thing. The other thing to figure out is... What actually happened? Is that something that you can accept as a team in mm -hmm. terms of his transgression, whatever it was? We don't have details. And is that something you can work through? Those are two big questions that are so far unanswered. If both were answered sufficiently, I've always liked Corey Perry as a player, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of being a guy you add in free agency to, and he can certainly help you down the run. He's physical, can play in the top six, has experience. A lot of things to like about his on-ice play. It's more about the questions off-ice right now when it comes to Corey Perry and whether he's a guy that is... Um, quote-unquote, too toxic to touch or too unavailable mm -hmm. to touch even. So I think those are the questions. But if you remove all that stuff, and a, a guy who uh, has maybe turned his life around to some extent, then maybe you can listen to it. Yes. Uh, and as, as far as all the other stuff, uh, Hoaglander and Lafferty, yeah, look, look, there's some juice to that line, right? Because yeah. they grind along the boards and it's tough to deal with. Uh, so again, in that role, go be active shoot the puck a ton, generate rebound chances, so they can certainly be effective in that. And so that pairing, is, is that a duo you look at now as far as the, the fourth line? Certainly yeah. would be effective in doing that. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, and also, thank you for the text. Uh, New York Minute is a very short time. I can always rely on a text inbox to set yeah. us straight. And also, Fast Eddie Gregory sending me that as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you for educating us here on the post-game show. Uh, all right, we'll get to some more text messages here before we close things off. Like I like this one from Mike and Tawasan. It would be hilarious if Riccio went into a full Italian accent during a full Italian during tense moments on the play-by-play. -play. Could you imagine? You just start speaking Italian. <laughs> I, I meant to write down his uh, phrase that he mentioned earlier today about uh, give me the money. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was great. That was good. I like that. Uh, Dan Riccio coming up strong, not only with his uh, odds boost selections, but calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor tonight. But we were talking about the lotto line. Nav and Dallas mentioned them as well. So let's hear from a couple of players on the lotto line, and we'll start things off with number nine in your guide, a guy who had a couple goals, three points, top ten in league scoring, JT Miller with Kate Pedersen postgame. Yeah, it just feels, you know, it feels good to, uh, you know, win a road game on a big road trip. So, uh, um, you know, I liked a lot of our game today. I think we all felt pretty good about most of it. I just think that the classic case of sitting back a little too much with the lead, and they have a ton of talent over there, so they're going to make plays. So we got to find a way to 
find that happy medium of you know staying aggressive but in our structure to where we don't give them so much time and space. So, um, so there's a lot of good things. Yeah, what stood out to you in terms of those good things? Just competitiveness. Um, and we competed like bastards for most of the game, and tracking was unreal. So our D could stay up and created a lot of turnovers for them, and caught them on some bad changes. And you could just feel the, the tide turn at that point, and we capitalized on some looks. So, uh, you know, it's nothing pretty. It's all from hard work. Did it feel familiar playing with TD and Rock again? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's been a while since uh, we got a couple shifts on now and then together, but I mean, none of the goals were, uh, were fancy. Like, they were all going to the net, making plays. We had net people driving the net to open up plays, and you get rewarded sometimes. And mentally, what's it like in a game? You're up 5 2, you probably could have led 8 2 at that point. And you have a couple of bad minutes, and suddenly it's five four. Coach calling your time. Like, what's the feeling like at that point? Well, I think that's a point where the leaders and the team could step up, and the guys that have had some experience to step up and calm that situation down. You know, the moment's not bigger than it is. We just make it bigger than it is sometimes, and um, that's a good learning moment for us because if that happens down the road here. We're really gonna, you know, if we're not feeling the right thing mentally, you're gonna start squeezing the hell out of your stick. So. It's a good learning learning thing for us. We're we're happy with you know getting a f- three or four goal lead in the game. You know that means you did a lot of good to get there normally, but you know we can take some you learn from, from some things in the third today. J T Miller after the game I still mentioned they competed hard, but still uh, they have things about their game they can clean up, and uh, it's one of those things where he's been critical of their performance at times despite winning games, and still like to compete, but also kind of mention how they feel like they can still be a bit better. That'd be impressive. That would be impressive because uh, they played so well today, obviously, and and just crushed. Uh, not a lot, of, a lot of high dangers against. So, uh, yeah, uh, and 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 they competed uh, like bastards. Apparently. Like bastards. It, it sounded like that. That's yeah. not what he said. That's, that's what it sounded like. He said he competed hard, man. You got to compete. I mean, they're fantastic. The first, yeah. like, honestly, I thought overall, and yeah, some moments here and there and everything, but, um, you know, I thought they were fantastic overall in terms of their efforts. Uh, Dick, you're getting roasted, aren't you? So this is why you shouldn't say anything <laughs> on the air. <laughs> I'm getting roasted in group chats uh, that, that I'm in, uh, that you you are in some too. Uh, a, a lot of Mary Kate and... Uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen gifts getting sent in the last handful of minutes in my own personal group chats. Ah, that was a mistake. But yeah. hey, we, we talk about anything here. We talk about anything. New York minutes, all that. Yeah, no, we do now. <laughs> no, I'm just, I was thinking of doing a spinoff of Kanye saying something about Mary Kate and Ash, but I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that. That's, that's, that's a different story for a different day. We heard from JT Miller. How about Elias Pettersson? And here he is post game talking about his performance, his last performance, and how they came away with a 6 4 win. Uh, it feels good. Uh, still, I don't like the way we kind of let them back in the game. I think we. We got a, they scored 3-2, Garland made a great play score. We came into the third with a good lead, we scored 5-2. We pretty much should not making that um, that kind of game, but uh, it's a win in the end, but obviously we want to do better at him. I think there was a lot of chemistry that we saw from maybe some old familiarity with that line. What do you think was the key to the way you were able to dominate so much offensively? Um, I think, I mean, just us playing hockey, obviously we've been playing a ton. Uh, back in the day, um, so just trying to work hard, make plays, and uh, yeah, be reliable, reliable for each other. Thatcher Demko now with 100 wins, he moves into fifth all-time mm-hmm. for Canucks. What does it mean to have the confidence of him behind you when you guys go out there and find a way to win? Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome back there. He's been playing great uh, for a while, so 
not surprised he's reached that milestone, and um, I'm sure he's going to get us more wins as well. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you. That is uh, Elias Pettersson postgame with Kate Pettersson uh, and, and spoke about the familiarity, but sounding much like uh, JT Miller, like some things they did, but, you know, wasn't gushing and praise for their overall performance. And I also mentioned how they don't want to make, you know, they didn't want to give up a couple goals late in the third period to make it a bit closer. Maybe they're aware it's also situational. Don't want to get too high and be like, hey, we want to play together. We want to play together. It's just, yeah. It feels like they know that they're going to get split up uh, from time to time. Yeah, things are going to happen. And it's one of those things, like I see people being super critical of um, uh, Thatcher Demko tonight. And yeah, it wasn't at his best, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of almost similar to our discussions about Pedersen earlier. I was just going to say, it feels like he's getting the Pedersen treatment all of a sudden. It does. And and, and listen, standards are higher Mm -hmm. and everything, and you know, I get it. You've seen the peaks of players, and when you see them in their valleys— you know they're not at their best and everything. But Pedersen now, his last nine games, has 10 points. So a bit over a point per game. Thatcher Demko, his save percentage um, went down a little bit, but he's 7-1-1 one, one in his last nine starts. 7-1-1. One, one. His save percentage is like 9-12 over that time, I think it is. But, like, sure. It, 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 it's just funny when you say it. 7-1-1. One, it's one. the same thing we were talking about Elias Pedersen. It's like, yeah, he's got 12 points in 14 games. And, and, and I get, like, wins and losses are not yeah. always indicative of goalie performance. But like when you're winning by that degree, like it's like the job is to win the game. Yeah, and can he be sharper? Yes. Am I concerned? No. Uh, Elias Pettersson now, uh, so it gets to 48 points in 39 games on the year. JT Miller sitting at 53, which I look understandably it's not 67 for Nikita Kucherov, it's not 65 for Nathan McKinnon, but it's still uh, good for 11th in league scoring. Yeah, which is pretty good. Not bad. Pretty solid. I think it's pretty solid. And listen, guys are going to go through peaks and valleys in a season. It's a long year. All those things do happen. But I would say, given how well this team has started, given how well Demko's played on the totality, given the production that Pedersen has had, mm-hmm. I'm willing to give more grace. Like, I'm not at a point where I'm like, oh, man, these guys got to yeah. be better. It's like the Canucks are leading and the Western Conference. When we say it's like, oh, we get a lot of texts and be like, oh, this guy's playing bad and all this sort of stuff. Bad to me implies it's also poor defensively. Hmm. That you're getting scored on in your end. That's not what happened with Elias Pettersson. No, like, okay, he just he hasn't had produced some moments. I, I thought he wasn't like he wasn't as effective with his overall. But he's been game. on the ice, I think, for like 23 goals against this season. He's still, yeah, but even uh, a five on five, even over that stretch of those last nine games, he's still like a plus five. Yeah, it like that to me is bad. If you, if you're not producing in your in the offensive end, or at least to the level people expect, and you're getting scored on the the other end. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actively like, okay, now you're hurting your team. Yeah. It, it, it's been more neutral performances, and people want, like, the, the fireworks all the time, but it's been far more neutral performances than actually bad and hurting you. Yeah, it certainly has. And the Canucks are not the top team in the Western Conference. That is the Winnipeg Jets, who have 54 points in 38 games. The Canucks 53 points, leading the Pacific Division, the second-best record in the Western Conference. They have a four-point gap on the Golden Knights, and they have a seven-point lead on on Los Angeles Kings. However, the Kings have four games in hand. The Canucks with a better win percentage, however— it shows you how well Vancouver's played so far this year. Yeah, some bad moments from time to time. We don't like the game. Three points. We don't like the game against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. But again, before we close things off here, when you've played this well to this point, 
you can be critical of guys over the t- a period of time, but I'm not at a point where I'm ripping these players and being upset about it. Because we see we see a lot of people texting oh, yeah. in and being like, should have started the Smith, people should have <laughs> traded Elias Patterson. I'm like, they're they have the second best record in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. They're a top five team in the NHL so far this season. I think things are going all right so far. Absolutely. Back at it again on Monday. Can't wait. Really excited for it. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun coming up on the shows on Monday. Uh, we have the pregame show getting going at 3 p.m. We'll be on Canucks Central at 2 p.m. PM. Bick will join me for intermission and the postgame show. Super excited as always. Appreciate every single one of you texting in and calling in and uh, being part of the postgame show. Can't wait to chat with you again on Monday. And special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory, our producer. This has been the Canucks Central postgame show presented by the number five orange. A Vancouver legend. They've got sports too on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.